Oh my god. <laughs> our our toilets, our whole sewage system came up. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. Hey, welcome back. Fine dining and high-end casual restaurants can be very exciting and lucrative places to work. But they come with their own unique set of challenges. My guest today is Mike Moranti. He's worked and managed several high-end restaurants in New York, including Beko and San Sakana. He's currently head server at Feroce in Manhattan, and he's also co-host of the Not A Foodie podcast. Let's hear what he had to say. Isn't like things are just going to be cauliflower everything. I want a wow. year of uh, frozen cauliflower pizza. Wow, a year, <laughs> a, a whole twelve uh, coupons for Whole Foods. Wow, that's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of food, um, I know you've worked in fine dining for a long time, um, so I kind of wanted to talk about that because uh, I know that fine dining is kind of a different uniquely challenging work environment or it can be um so maybe just let's just talk about uh like what is fine dining like what what defines a place that is a fine dining establishment that's a really good rest a really good question um so when i'd say all the places i work at are like upscale casual like Mm -hmm. when i think of like true fine dining i think of three michelin star white tablecloth four people uh probably four chefs working on one dish. Like you barely get to order anything tasting, tasting menu. Um, my background is definitely more an upscale casual and like, uh, high end steakhouses, Italian restaurants, sushi restaurants, where I think that people don't really want, if you want to go out and have that fine dining experience, you want that fine dining experience, but most Mm -hmm. people just want like a really great meal with really great service and a little bit more, uh, casuality to mm-hmm. it. So I think at a fine dining restaurant, what you're getting is besides having really great food and drink, your hat, your staff, uh, from management down to even like, I've been to places where barbacks were schooling me on mezcal. Mm. So like, it, it's really the, uh, the knowledge that comes along with the service, I think is one of the big things in fine dining upscale casual. Mm. Let's talk about the staff mm-hmm. itself in that case. I, there's definitely, a significant amount of knowledge that everyone has to have. Um, what is kind of the environment among staff? It seems like it has the potential to be a much more stressful place to work. Um, so the good places that I've worked were all like pooled houses and because, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, you know, don't really like, but when you're working in this type of environment where you sometimes need to be three places at once, mm-hmm it's really great to be in a pooled house because someone else will have your back and then you're working a lot more like a cohesive team than if you were just every man for himself. Mm. So, uh, I, it can be stressful. I, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time. I don't like, if you're in the weeds, you're in the weeds and you're just going to like work yeah, your way out just, of it. Like you just got to take a step moving. back and breathe and like, if you make one mistake, go fix that mistake before it snowballs into more things. But like, it sounds easy now, but not when I got my ass kicked like five years ago, six years ago, yeah. doing it. you know, it goes uh, day in and day out. It's like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing. Mm-hmm. And there's, I don't think there's another industry where you can rack up 10,000 hours quicker than ours. Yeah. You know, when you see job postings for 
for fine dining, they always say like fine dining experience. Um, how do you get that experience? Dude, you need to know somebody. There's <laughs> no, either you start off as a hostess, a busser, a barback, or you need to know someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was fortunate enough where just literally somebody that I, a wine rep that I knew was also managing a steakhouse mm-hmm. and I was working wine retail part time. And he's like, yeah, I need servers. Like, come. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> I, I was very, I got my ass kicked every day for a long time till I got better at it. And then I got to be good at it. Yeah. So what was that like in the beginning? Um, it was a really big menu and then it was just like with steak, it's okay. So there's eight steaks, eight, you know, you're probably gonna get like three or four different cuts and then, uh, I'm sorry for like a table of eight, you're gonna get like three or four different cuts. People want them different temperatures. Uh, you want different sides. Someone always wants something held or on the side or this and that. And I have really, really bad handwriting. (laughs) So I used to make a lot of mistakes because I wouldn't be able to read my own handwriting. Mm. Now I don't really take uh, tables. I just keep it up in my head and I make like minimal, minimal mistakes from it. Mm-hmm. What were some things you had to learn? Um, and what was that learning process like? Um, Reading a table, I think is some people, they come and they want to like talk to you and learn and like they want to learn about you too. And mm-hmm. like you, they wind up following you on Instagram afterwards. <laughs> and then some people just want to like have a meal and don't care about food at, mm-hmm. in, at all in any sense they don't care that like our uh the tomatoes that we're sourcing are pianolo tomatoes from the base of mount vesuvius you know they're just like <laughs> right. oh it's red sauce like can i have some cheese like whatever yeah, yeah. um so read reading the table and just being able to like talk to people and uh really enhance their experience i i really like my my bachelor's is in hospitality management but i'm mm-hmm. like trying to management wasn't for me i'm trying to like actually leave the industry mm-hmm. but you you do a lot, you learn a lot, and you just have to pick up on things, I think, as you go, too. Mm-hmm. What are some other things, maybe, that you had to pick up as you go? Maybe um, something that surprised you, that you oh, were not expected. Um, Allergies, I think. And, like, really, no, if someone tells oh, you they have a one. nightshade allergy, then, like, you're like, oh, you can't have eggplant, you can't have zucchini, or... Mm-hmm. Uh, and having the amount that you have to know in the menu in fine dining, because, like... If there's a reduction sauce and part of the reduction sauce has mm. an eggplant in it or something. So there's a lot of back and forth with the kitchen and just really being confident in yourself and the product mm. and knowing what you're doing. It seems like it's a lot to know and a lot of people have to be on the same page. How do you manage a staff you, so that everybody knows? You have to hold people accountable and mm. you, you have to like kind of call people out sometimes and... Uh, when we were, I'm at this spot called Feroce now mm-hmm. uh, in Manhattan. And when we were opening it, everybody that is good at the job now from a year ago and is still there and worked hard, we all had flashcards with the the name of the dish and then all the ingredients, all the allergens, everything. So we would mm. quiz each other and know everything back and forth. And it's a job that you really have to put work into and put on your own time. Mm. Maybe you can talk a little more about the, like how communication works. Oh, um, establishment. A lot of it is your eyes are always on the floor. Mm -hmm. So even if your tables, your section is not that busy, uh, your, 
your uh, other coworker, your other server just got double sat, triple sat. And even if you're just bringing menus and getting water for somebody, the fact that you're just doing that one little thing, now they're not weeded anymore and they can mm-hmm. catch their breath and get over to that table. And the table didn't even notice anything was weird. And it's like much smoother than if you just let them, you know, get weeded and drowned. And Yeah. It seems like from a customer perspective, there's like a, an expectation of everything that needs to be perfect. You know, it seems like in a fine dining or, or a higher end restaurant, there's like there's less like headroom, I guess, for mistakes. Like it, uh, um, it kind of needs to be this show of it, like everything's flowing perfectly. Where if you go to like a like a dive bar, it's like you know it's okay that you know things are breaking or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd i say like for things like little things like food getting sent back, uh, it probably happens more in fine dining than it does mm-hmm. uh, anywhere else because it's like just little things. But I've also had the whole time I've been there, we had like one chicken that wasn't cooked enough and the girl's like, I hate sending stuff back. But I'm like, mm-hmm. no, like it's I don't want you get seven. We'll get your new chicken. It's not <laughs> yeah. a, it's a non-issue. Um and then as far as service, yeah, everything really, if I, if I do a dinner, if you come to dinner at my place and I forget to like take the salt, pepper and olive oil off your table after when I give you like dessert, I'll like feel bad. Like mm-hmm. I, every night I kind of try and pitch a perfect game. I try to literally do mm-hmm. every single thing perfect and little things like that, which they're most of the time I'm going to say the guests won't even notice, yeah. but it'll annoy me because I did, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. on top of it the way I'm supposed to be and trained to be and mm-hmm. strive to be. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that level of, of excellence? What are some um, things that you do? I think you have to be passionate about it. Mm. I, a lot of people just see it as like, especially in New York with all the actors and everything, a lot of people see it as like a survival job because mm-hmm. they're like, oh no, I'm an actor. I'm just doing this to like pay my bills. It's like, no, if this is what you're doing to pay your bills, you're, you're a server. And mm-hmm. There are also actors who are like, no, this is my job. And they take it very seriously. Um, I'm very competitive. I see restaurants as a team sport. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I used to see it as like literally the staff versus the guests and like to give them the best experience you can. (laughs) I don't see it as much like that anymore. uh, But I I definitely always feel like I'm in a, a varsity sport when I'm on the floor in a Manhattan restaurant. Mm-hmm. When there's like a conflict among staff, I know that unfortunately <laughs> things happen sometimes, especially, in, you know, bars and restaurants are like can seem so stressful, even though there's like not really an emergency. But it's like, you know, it's, yeah. it's so easy to get into that like, fight or flight yeah. response and then just react poorly. What do you what do you do to sort of keep that? back of house meltdown from reaching the guest oh uh i'm like a different person on the floor Mm -hmm. um sometimes you gotta i i also believe like what's said in service isn't really real like if if someone like curses at me in service or whatever i'm like whatever there's like a difference between like get the fuck out of my way and like just like insulting me or something like that um so most of the time I can brush it off. I, mm-hmm. uh, when you when you get on the floor, you just have to, you know, you even if you have to just act. The guest doesn't need to know that uh, 
kitchen messed up. I've had times where the kitchen just like, or I maybe I forgot to send something or the kitchen forgot to make something and the whole thing came out and you have to not, you have to tell the guest uh, something else happened and mm-hmm. that it'll be up there shortly. And you just, you got to do what you got to do throughout the night. And uh, I, the best thing about our job is that you don't take work home with you. Mm-hmm. When the night's over, it's over. It, it's not like a professional sport where people are stacking your uh, stats and like counting on you to like make a game winning three. You just have to like go in and work. So yeah. I, I never, I never get that stress. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's really stressful. It's 8 PM. We close in three hours. I'll be home in four hours. Like it won't be that stressful then. Just gotta mm-hmm. get through it. Oh, that's a really good point. So what are what are some things you do to separate, you know, your time at the restaurant from when you're not at the restaurant? How do you take care of yourself when um, you're not at work? Now that I'm not in management anymore, I found it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go into work until 3.30 or 4.30 or whatever. So I give myself an hour to get there. Mm-hmm. Wake up around 10. I do. I have a dog. I go to the gym. I run errands. I cook, whatever. Mm-hmm. I work on my podcast, you know, whatever yeah. is making, I'm just, I do things that make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy, especially after work. The only things that are open are bars until I go out and have a couple of drinks. And I, everyone needs to do that some nights, but I think a mm-hmm. big thing is like just getting back home. And if I, if I can open up a beer at home or I can like, just no one goes you don't go straight to sleep when you get home. You have to no, like, no, <laughs> I, I was, I was explaining to a table. I was like, yeah, no, I wake up really early. I wake up at like 10. She's like, that's early. I'm like, when you get home from your nine to five at 6 PM, are you asleep at six 30? Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. you know, I, I'm getting home at like 1 AM or 2 AM and then I'll watch Netflix or read or something. And then it's three or 4 AM and then I'm up at 10. So she's like, Oh yeah, that is early. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense. But it sounds like you you make it, um, you, you kind of own that schedule and you make it more of an intention. I'm very much a creature of habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if my, if, if I'm not like, oh, wake up and go to the gym and do this and do that, I like can just do nothing. And then you wasted your whole day uh, at home. And then if I'm up at 10 and do nothing, I just had a really, really long day of like mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, which is nice. Some, sometimes I la- I'm like getting back into the gym and like working on myself and like I was mm-hmm. real beat up last Wednesday and I woke up and I was off. I was like, I'm doing literally nothing today. Yeah. But yeah. other days when if you don't want to, I feel like you never want to have a day where you're like, all I did was go to work. Yeah, totally. Uh, like um, that, that doesn't make me, I want to do like something besides like go to work. Mm. Yeah. So it's so important to have that kind of separation because you don't want your like life to totally just become your work. Yeah. If I wanted that, I would own a restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like if I, if I want to spend all my life at my restaurant, I would have to open up my own restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. And even then it's like, you have to decide when you're turning it off because otherwise it's like, you're never, you're never going to turn it off. Oh, I don't think you can. Once you, once you open a place, even, mm-hmm. even if your place is closed on like Sundays and Mondays and you're only open five days a week, you're, you yeah. are a restaurateur. That's yeah. like what <laughs> That's... You, you don't have like days off from being a restaurateur. Totally. 
Um, let's talk a little bit more about management. You, yeah. you, you said you moved out from mm-hmm. management. Um, what were some of, some of the toughest challenges? Staffing. Yeah. Staffing is the hardest thing. It, it's the same thing in San Francisco as it is in New York. There are mm-hmm. so many restaurants now. Yeah. And so it's not like you can just find good servers like, or you can find a good server until they move to another place or it's very, and then like servers, one thing finding good bussers is like crazy difficult. Yeah. Cause like it, it, I call it the bus boy dilemma. If someone's a really, really good bus boy, you want to promote them to food runner. You want to promote them to bar back. You want to give them more responsibility because you know that they're like going to do that well too. Mm -hmm. Um, but you, then you lose your best bus boy. And then once you lose your best bus boy, it takes a huge hit. Your, Mm -hmm. your whole busing team takes a huge, huge hit for two weeks, a month, whatever it is. And it, it, uh, in the long run, it's good because now you brought that buster up to do something else and he's going to do better and better. Or she's going to do better and better. Uh, but your busing team is going to totally take a hit and everything falls on them mm. to for the restaurant to move well throughout the night. And how, what do you what do you do in that situation when someone's promoted or, or someone quits? You, and- uh, well, when someone's promoted, you you have a little bit of time to plan and uh-huh. you can bring a busser on or maybe you bring two busters on to cover up the slack and mm-hmm. what up, what not. When somebody quits, it's like, oh, okay, uh, you're hitting everyone up. Like, are you free? Can you work this day? Blah, 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 blah. And you try to schedule it. And mm-hmm. I'm very hands-on. Um, there were nights where servers, you know, no call, no show or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take this small section and, if you guys need me, you, you need voids, you need comps, something's wrong, grab me, I'll do every... I had nights where I played some server, manager. <laughs> wow. You know, it's just, it is what it is. When we we opened up this restaurant, Sensicano, where I was the AGM, and I was looking at, like, you know, on this day on Facebook, mm-hmm. it was like when we first opened for friends and family, one of my uh, food runners, I guess, no call, no show. So I was mm. like, I- I'm the food runner now. Like that's, that's what's going on. We got nobody we can call in. We got like nobody trained. They're just, uh, I'll be running food tonight. Yeah. How did you, how did you, how did you learn to just adapt like that? What are you going to do? Like, what, what are you, you're going to cry about it? Like you got, you got service, you, and you've had managers that bust their ass and work Mm -hmm. hard and you've had managers that don't. And Mm -hmm. the ones that are helping you out are the ones that, when they hit you up and ask you to cover or something, you, you mm. you'll have their back and not the other ones. Yeah, the more of a team player as mm-hmm. well. You have you have to be, and especially like if you're if you're a manager and your bonuses and everything are tied into how the restaurant does. Why wouldn't you want the restaurant to do mm. as good as possible? Totally. So, in these higher end restaurants, it seems like there's just so much more staff than, than other places, lot. you know, like the, the bar I work at, there's, we've got like two people on the floor, one person in the kitchen and we kind of cover everything. Cause it's, it's like very casual spot, but wait, it's just two bartenders. Uh, yeah. And so is there, do you guys go to the tables to take the orders or do they come to the bar and order? Is it, uh, well here they come to the bar. Um, okay. So here, that, that's like, here's easier. just three people. Yeah. yeah. But my other bar, it's, um, well we do table service mm-hmm. too, but it's just, 
it's such a casual place that it's like it just kind of works, yeah. you know. But in a restaurant, you know, you, there's there's so many roles. Like, how do you how do you manage such a big team? How do you how do you keep a big team like that like firing on all I cylinders? I think pre-shift. I think like just every pre-shift is like state of the union where you're just talking mm. about the night and hey guys, that we this went really well for us last night. We had uh, this sort of issue. Um, or like when I was managing the su- Sensakana sushi, I went out for to a sushi spot on a date and they let us like order way too much food. Mm. And sushi is like a thing that you can't really bring home with you. Yeah, and yeah. So I was just telling my guys that day, I was like, hey, so this just happened to me. I, I track it off as, as like a bad experience. So mm. like if we think that they're ordering too much, like, Let's tell them, hey, this is a good amount of food because we're not trying to, like, get all their money one time. We want them yeah. to, like, love us and come back and come back and come back. So I it, I think um, with your staff just to – it's like the Danny Meyer thing. Like, your, your employees are the most important people in the restaurant. So, mm. like, you just speak to them and you listen to their problems and you, you help them. We had uh, an open-door policy. So if someone was just like even just going through some stuff and they wanted to come talk or if they needed time Mm. off or this or that, it was like, okay, let's, you know, let's figure this out. So when restaurants or families, when you're with these people as much as you are, you you have to be. Yeah. And you go through some, some tough things together sometimes in a restaurant. Can you talk about a time where, where you had to like really go through something as a staff, some, some meltdown happened or. Um, oh my God, (laughs) our, our toilets, our whole sewage system came up. (laughs) No, like during service? During service. So we were inside of another building that had another bathroom. So we had Mm -hmm. to like put up, don't enter, don't come in Mm -hmm. and had to like walk the guests and show them where the what the password were was into the <laughs> the no. store the not store the building's bathroom like it it was a nightmare eventually you know we got it fixed that night and that was it if they didn't have that bathroom we would have had to close down that mm-hmm. night um we also the city didn't cut us any breaks and it took sensacana like 6 months longer to open than it was supposed to oh no so i what happened once was i had a whole staff hired and we were like maybe one or day, two days into training and then had to let them all go. Ugh. It was, I had to call every single person and oh, I told no. them, look, whenever we're actually ready, I'm, I'm not going to hire, I'm not going to do any hiring until I'm going to go off of this list. You got bills to pay. You know, if you find something, please don't even think twice, but mm-hmm. if you're available, like let's talk. So I don't remember how many of them came back for the second time. Um, and then the same thing happened, but it happened later. Mm. And I told my boss, I was like, look, I have an entire staff pretty much trained. If we have to let them all go and start again, we'll be pushed even further back than, than with this pushback. So we did friends and family for a month, Wow, five days, three days, two days, four days, whatever it was. But Mm -hmm. we did, we bought wine. We, cause we didn't have a liquor license. Mm -hmm. We bought wine. We bought uh, beer we bought sake we were just brought people in and like just inviting and yeah bring your friends sure blah, 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 blah. like <laughs> for a month we did friends and family because it was the only way that we were would be able to 
keep a staff and wow. yeah. Wow. That's tough. It was it, actually but, crazy. But it worked out in the end with a lot of the, everyone stayed and I mean, yeah. it's a restaurant. So like when you first yeah. open half the staff gets fired or leaves or whatever anyway, mm-hmm. but it, it worked out. The restaurant's still open two years later. You know, they're Michelin recommended, uh, wine enthusiast, award-winning wine list, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So they're, yeah, they're doing good. Nice. Mm-hmm. So what first got you interested in, in working in a, in restaurants and in, in higher end restaurants and, did you find that once you started working and is that like kind of stayed true for you the whole time or is it so changed? my first job ever was scooping ice cream at a hundred year old ice cream parlor in Queens. <laughs> cool. uh, it's called Eddie's sweet shop. It's actually, it's in a lot of movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was like, you know, it was the recession 2008. I was in high school and I saw all these people with like college degrees and all these different things who were like waiting tables. And I was like, maybe I should just get a degree in restaurants because I like it and they're all doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'll be the better pick than somebody else. And you can't outsource a restaurant job. Restaurants can only be yeah. where they are. So I did it. Um, I got, I got into wine. I was working at wine um, at a, like a, a little boutique wine shop when I was home for the summers. And then I wound up interning for, it was right after Sam came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wound up, I graduated college. I wound up interning for Laura Manick, who's uh, the youngest female master sommelier mm-hmm. uh, at Cork Buzz in Union Square. And then it just, everything kind of just like worked. And I kind of fell into that like upscale casual, uh, like I said, steakhouses, high-end Italian sushi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I would want to do anything else. I really like the quality that you serve, the... Like how casual there are tables that like if I read them, I, you know, like I know I could like curse with them and like really like joke yeah. and have a lot of fun. And then there are tables that you can just have a really great service and a good time. And like, I'm not going to curse or like even make a joke, but they're going to be really, really happy. Mm-hmm. So. So the service was the, the service aspect is kind of what got you into it. Yeah, I think so. I, I also really love food. Um, I cook a lot at home. I take food very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. So, and I like to learn about food. So in like sushi, especially you're learning about all these crazy ingredients. Mm. And then where I am now at Feroce, uh, it's like every new menu, there's like new things I've never heard of before. So it's, it's very cool. Nice. So what are some things that you can, so like at my bar, we, um, it's a very casual wine bar, but my, is it all California? Uh, no, it's everything. Nice. Um, so our our owners were both like sommeliers at, at Michelin star restaurants, but they just wanted to open a relaxed spot. But it's cool because we still do like fine dining style bottle service. Mm-hmm. But I'm like wearing a hoodie while I do it. So, But that's awesome. That, yeah. That's like. Um, so what are some other things maybe that that like more casual places can take from higher end places that, I, that could I think work. you should hold yourself to a certain standard. I was mm-hmm. at like a pizzeria and this girl was walking across the floor, like drinking a soda while she was in her like uniform. I'm like, come on, you could, you mm-hmm. could chug a soda in the service station, like a regular person. Like, <laughs> I, I think that's your, like, yeah, it's casual, but you're still at work, you mm-hmm. know? Um, 
and I I feel like also if people just take pride in what they do, the service is going to be good anyway. Like you, yeah. when I, I was in Texas and like we only ate at like little hole in the wall spots in Texas and everyone was super nice and super proud of what they were doing. And it was like, I felt like the service was really good just because everything was done with a smile and like, mm-hmm. can I get you this? And I, I don't, I, I don't think like casual places need to take anything from fine uh, wine service is different because wine service like is very important to your meal mm-hmm. but i i don't know like if if you and i go to uh, a restaurant and we get an appetizer to share and two entrees do you care if they split it for us the appetizer because like i split appetizers table side because it's like part of the experience but mm-hmm. i don't know i don't feel like i need like uh a server to split up our pasta for us if we're yeah, yeah if we're going to like a little hole in the wall spot but if we're going to like a place where we're paying $25 for a pasta mm-hmm. yeah split it up for me sure <laughs> right uh it seems like just the consistency in service is, is something that everyone can learn from you know and it's like there's just a, a high level of and maybe it is just like caring more about what you're and, doing and i feel like it's probably from the paycheck Mm-hmm. You know, like when you see your paycheck and you're like, oh, this is not, this is good. I, I like that. Like, yeah, I've yeah. been, I've been mad at jobs and then I see the paycheck. I'm like, oh, I could do this for another week. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. it, I guess it wasn't that bad, but <laughs> yeah, I used to, I used to play music and, um, one of my musician friends said, there's three things that make a good gig and you have to have two out of three for it to be a good gig. One is you liked people. Two is you like the music, and three is it pays well. <laughs> so imagine if you like your coworkers and the paycheck's good, but yeah, that's you know, it's that, a, that's actually how I would describe a, a lot of <laughs> play. Yeah, that's a good way. I like my coworkers, and the money's good. Yeah. Well, where do you see yourself going now? You, you mentioned you were in management. You're not anymore. Yeah. You're trying to get out of the industry. What's what's next for you? So I I would like to work in hospitality adjacent field mm-hmm. um i was really thinking about being a wine rep but mm-hmm. now with these tariffs impending and everything it's like mm-hmm. not not the best move um i have a uh, i'm looking into like restaurant tech like sales mm-hmm. and stuff um we definitely need more restaurant people in that, in <laughs> that world that. yeah like why is there no pos that is like the best, right? Well, they, mm-hmm. they, they all seem to have these problems that, that don't work, you know? Well, yeah. So I, I'm talking to this uh, company. I have another interview with them soon. So fingers crossed. Um, they design mobile websites for restaurants. Mm. So it's uh, they optimize the user interface and like uh, they just, they make a lot of sense and they have big clients already and it would be a first sales role. And, you know, if I, if I can get my foot in the door in this and then learn to do tech sales and, there's mm-hmm. a lot more money in tech than there is in restaurants. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, you would know San Francisco more than. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough place to be. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really yeah, nice this was awesome. I'm glad we got to do this. Right on. That was Mike Moranti. Communication is key, really at any level of restaurant. And one of the best opportunities for communication is in your pre-shift. That gives everyone an opportunity to be on the same page and ask questions as well that's all for this week but stay tuned for more be sure to check out mike's podcast the not a foodie podcast you can find a link to that in the show notes or wherever you get your podcasts 
and visit us online as well. U86.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E 86.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time.